Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. Recent podcasts, audio on demand and live streaming available from the 3CR website. All podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species website and you can subscribe to the program via iTunes. I'm Kate Elliott, but today I'm here purely in a ceremonial role to welcome you to the program and to introduce an interview conducted by another Freedom of Species team member, Roy Taylor. Roy is currently in the UK, where he caught up with Justin Kerswell. Justin is the campaign's manager and deputy director of VIVA, V-I-V-A exclamation mark, a vegan advocacy group that has a long history of campaigning against the sale of kangaroo meat in the UK. Roy started the interview by asking Justin to provide an overview of Viva. Uh, yeah, well, Viva was founded by Juliet Galatly uh, 20, over 20 years ago now. Um, we're a vegan campaigning organisation in the UK. So we campaign to, um, uh, to basically help people stop eating animals is, is probably the easiest way to describe us and we do that through um, a number of means we um, we hold events around the country um, uh, we've been doing so for over the last 10 10 years um, to encourage people to still try a vegan diet come to cookery demos uh, that type of thing we also um, we work with the national media on highlighting uh, issues around factory farming and in fact um, uh, and, and we really recently um, this this past weekend um, uh, an undercover investigation um, a footage that we obtained was featured in the the Sunday Mirror um, uh, newspaper it's one of the most widely read tabloids in the UK um, of a pig farm with 15,000 pigs in it um, which highlighted exactly how how big factory farming what a big problem factory farming is in the UK and we've um, um, we saw on that farm huge issues with um, you know cannibalism uh, pigs with very little environmental enrichment and it's something that we're we're campaigning at the moment to try and get the farm shut down and to be prosecuted uh, so we're, we're encouraging people to contact um, animal health um, and the government to sort of try and make that happen and today I want to talk specifically about your campaign against the kangaroo kangaroo meat trade um, and I, I personally know nothing about the history of, of your involvement in this campaign. Um, so c- can you uh, tell me about the history and then and go on to what's happened more recently? Well, obviously, we're in the UK. We're not in Australia. So people may wonder why we're, we're campaigning um, on kangaroo issues. I mean, the history of it is it goes back to the inception of Eva or very soon afterwards. It's kangaroo meat started appearing on on uh, British supermarket shelves. Um, uh, and there was a major push to get it out out there. And uh, um, we were contacted by Australian wildlife groups who asked for our help in protecting native Australian wildlife. 
Um, and the more we looked into it at the time, um, it, we were shocked at the, the cruelty, um, the, the killing of the joeys. And um, I'm sure many of your listeners will know, but if, if, you, if you don't, if people don't know the kangaroo industry, kangaroos aren't farmed. So they're not, they're not um, farmed like pigs, as, as, as spoken about, but they're shot in the wild, um, in the vast outback in, in Australia. Um, uh, adult uh, females will have two joeys, uh, typically kind of a, a joey in pouch and an adolescent at foot. So if a female is shot, um, the, um, the official guidelines by the Australian government say that shooters should take the joey out of the pouch and uh, essentially decapitate or crush the head of the baby and shoot the adolescent. And both those animals will just simply be chucked, chucked away. They're not even used by the industry. Um, uh, the, um, there's this idea that it's some kind of coal. Um, obviously, we're battling different coals in the UK or coals. I always say coals in inverted commas because which coals, the idea of a coal is to, is to sort of take, um, sick animals, um, or diseased animals. But again, in the instance of, of the kangaroo coal, it's not about that. The commercial coal is about making money. So quite often, many of the larger, uh, males are, are shot because they have more meat and leather on them. Uh, and, um, that again, we, you know, um, we've worked with scientists and ecologists and people in Australia have genuinely concerns about the sustainability of kangaroos, the kangaroo populations. And, um, uh, we've seen localized extinctions in parts of Australia. Um, and so we, 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 we campaigned from the, at that point in the late nineties and we held peaceful demonstrations outside supermarkets. Um, and uh, one by one, we got all of the supermarkets in the UK to drop kangaroo meat. Uh, that was followed by um, the industry then looked for another avenue to make money, and that was through kangaroo leather. And it was uh, um, uh, typically or most widely used in football boots manufacturing, manufacturing um, uh, by uh, companies such as Adidas and Nike. Um, uh, typified um, and probably most popularised by uh, David Beckham's use of the Predator boot. Uh, um, and again, we campaigned to highlight that through the national media um, with exposés from Australian activists. Uh, and um, we campaigned uh, to contact David Beckham um, uh, specifically. And in the end, he dropped kangaroo leather boots. Um, he actually asked Adidas to make him artificial boots from artificial materials. And both Nike and Adidas um, vowed to phase out kangaroo leather. And they're currently at the, uh, at the moment, they're still using some kangaroo leather in what they term their legacy boots. Um, but um, that's less than one percent understanding of the, of the the level they use, and obviously we continue to ask them to drop that. Um, but more recently, there's um, the kangaroo industry has this constant push. Um, uh, uh, consumers in the UK just think kangaroo meat is some kind of novelty. It's something that was kind of you know chuck a you know kangaroo on the barbie, kind of a, a bit of inverted f uh, commas fun. Um, but they're not really being told the the kind of the brutal truth behind the industry, how kangaroos are, are killed. Um, um, also, the, um, the kind of the issues around human health issues as well, because, uh, you know, when we say to people, do you realize that even Russia has banned the importation of kangaroo meat because of, um, uh, because of concerns over human health? Um, people are, are quite shocked. And of course, um, that we know that slaughterhouses are horrendous places and um, we filmed in slaughterhouses. We know that, um, you know, uh, often animals, uh, you know, there's no such thing as humane slaughter. But certainly in the, in, uh, in the outback in Australia, I mean, kangaroos are shot. Um, many are missed shots. So their arms or their jaws blown off. 
um, uh, so we've talked about the killing of the joeys, but they're butchered literally uh, where they where they fall, and then they're they're transported in the back of trucks um, through the heat, the dust, the flies, the maggots across the outback to chiller cabinets, where um, um, uh, where you know we're talking about butchering animals in the middle of you know in the dirt. Um, so, uh, and like with many in inverted commas game meats, um, they have uh, kind of uh, they kind of have issues and things like um, kind of nematodes, kind of parasites. So it's quite typical to find kangaroos parasitic, parasitic cysts that are kind of um, filled with kind of uh, toxoplasmo, you know, can cause toxoplasmosis in um, in in people. Um, uh, so there's lots of human health issues around consuming kangaroo meat, and so obviously that's something that we've kind of we kind of feed back to consumers. Um, most recently, um, we've had campaigns um, against um, some British supermarkets that kind of popped up again with kangaroo meat. And again, unfortunately, the, the buyers for the kangaroo for the supermarkets will, um, um, you know, they change over time, and the, the, the industry is constantly trying to push kangaroo meat here as again as a bit of fun as a novelty meat, um, uh, and they're currently trying to push it as a low-fat alternative to beef. So some supermarkets, some budget supermarkets, uh, Lidl and Iceland have been selling kangaroo meat, um, but not um, consistently. They have have what they call the term offers over, you know, several times a year. Um, but in 2015, Morrison's and Tesco's, and obviously Tesco's is the largest supermarket, uh, started selling kangaroo meat. Um, we met with uh, Tesco's and um, we, we basically gave them the information and the information we we, we have it's not just information that we've plucked out of the sky. We're, we're you know, talking to leading politicians, ecologists, scientists in Australia that have been giving us this kind of uh, this information on on, on the, the issues. And uh, Tesco has sufficiently convinced immediately that there were problems with it, that they withdrew kangaroo meat. Morrison's also withdrew kangaroo meat, um, which brings us up to the present day. Um, we uh, we were informed of um, in the last month that Sainsbury's, which is Britain's second largest supermarket, had um, was going to introduce kangaroo burgers to 500 stores um, across the UK. So we got in contact with them. Um, uh, they they were just feeding us back the kind of well the standard response from the Australian government and kangaroo industry that there was uh, kangaroo meat was safe to eat. It was humanely, in their words, harvested. Um, uh, so we sent them the information across, and then we started a um, uh, we started a petition. Um, um, we said that we would be undertake um, activist days outside their stores over the summer, uh, and uh, um, within eight days they withdrew them from uh, from supermarket shelves in the UK. So, so, um, so it's something that we're committed to supporting Australian um, activists and wildlife activists um, uh, to to you know uh, do our bit to protect Australian wildlife. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. You said that it really started uh, the kangaroo meat in the UK in the 1990s, yes? Hmm. That's that's correct, yeah. Um, and you were able to get victories in your campaigns with the supermarkets quite quickly then, yes? Hmm. Uh, well, it actually took, I mean, it did take, it was over the, the process, it's over process of about 12 months. It was, it was kind of, it, they once um, one fell, it was like a domino effect. I think once they, um, uh, so it, it took, a, a cons- it took some, 
persistent campaigning to um, to persuade the supermarkets uh, that um, uh, there there was sufficient. I think supermarkets, like with any any business, they make a business judgment quite often, rather sometimes than an ethical judgment on on this. Now, the ethical reasons not to eat kangaroo meat and not to commercialise wildlife are very big, um, uh, you know, and very persuasive. And, and I've I've spoken to people before and they say, well, what's the difference between a cow and a kangaroo? And I say, well, morally, there's no difference whatsoever between taking the life of one animal over another. There's absolutely no difference. So we're very clear on that, which is why we promote veganism. But what there are issues around, um, there are specific issues around popularizing um, and commercializing um, wildlife. Um, because once you once you create a business model for what is a finite number of animals, because these animals aren't being bred, they are um, wild animals, they are wild populations, which can fluctuate. And in fact, actually, in Australia, although kangaroo populations have, have expanded, potentially, I mean, again, this is a this is a, a difficult subject because nobody really knows how many kangaroos there are in in Australia. We, there's no no denying they they build up in some areas, but certainly according to the official uh, population estimates by the Australian government is that there are 12 million fewer kangaroos in the four main areas where they're shot than there were in 2001. So wh- while they may build up in times of um, where, they, where they, there's not droughts and uh, other other issues, it's um, you know they they we're still talking about less kangaroos than there were you know, sort of, um, you know, sort of a, a couple of decades ago. So, um, and of course, the other the other consideration is, is with Australia is Australia is predicted to be the first first world, inverted commas, country to be hammered by climate change. And so we already know that droughts and other other issues have a major effect on Australian wildlife. So, so it's the, so kangaroos are being blamed for destroying the Australian um, uh environment which is ridiculous because obviously kangaroos have been there a lot longer than humans and european settlements have only been there several hundred years or so and introducing hard-hoofed animals like cattle and sheep of um, you know are responsible for destruction in australian environment not kangaroos um so 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 we, we're kind of you know uh, you know what we've, we've been saying to people is is that um uh, you know, there are specific issues around commercialising wildlife. Um, I think Australia has the worst record for extinctions um, for any country on the planet. Uh, and um, so once you commercialise an animal, uh, you create a business model where you um, uh, you create a, um, a supply and a demand. And if that demand goes up, and I know that Australia, the Australian kangaroo industry and government are trying to open up markets in China, then if you start um, getting a huge demand and you have a population that is kind of fluctuates and is is um, uh, unstable, then you can see why that will, will, would head, potentially head to disaster for that species. So so there are specific issues around commercial wildlife that we obviously, while we're promoting a vegan diet, um, we, we believe that, you know, it, they need to be highlighted. So do the supermarket representatives actually ask that question? Why, if you are uh, and do they ask, are you guys pushing a vegan agenda? And if so, why are you talking about kangaroos? Um, I think there is kind of obviously they know that we're a vegan organisation and um, we, we, you know, we're obviously very open about that. But we do we do confront that head on and say, you know, we send them reference information from uh, politicians and um, uh, kind of um, think tanks. There's a think tank for Australian um, for kangaroos at Sydney University. Um, that have done the studies and looked at the sustainability. They've looked at the cruelty. Um, we've sent the, we send them um, uh, kind of responses from the, the Australian 
um, you know, politicians when they've asked uh, questions of the of the industry and the um, uh, the, the, the Australian government um, um, departments that kind of govern that. Uh, so we're, we're very clear that these are they, this kind of information. It's not information that we're just making up or just going, oh, well, kangaroos are cute, so we don't kill them. Although, of course, that is part of it. But we're kind of the, our main focus here is we have serious kind of um, concerns which are represented and are validated by by data from Australia that there are problems um, uh, with human health, there's problems with, with, with cruelty, um, and there's problems, um, huge problems with sustainability. Uh, and, um, you know, we, I mean, I've visited uh, Australia um, a number of times, and for me, that I've I always found it strange. My sister lives in Sydney, and of course, I wasn't expecting to see kangaroos in Sydney, jumping down the street or anything like that. But, but I was surprised when I was there um, uh, six or seven years ago that I, I asked how I could get to see kangaroos in the wild. And obviously I didn't want to go and see them in the zoo and it's not something that I would do. But I found it relatively difficult to actually find any way of seeing kangaroos in the wild. And I eventually found um, a kind of an eco tour that would take a bus out to a national park near the Blue Mountains. But given that there, there was, no, you know, so it was it, it was amazing to me that and other people who come to Australia that you have national icon that people like myself and other people who come to Australia would like to see kangaroos in the wild and support that kind of ecotourism. They didn't appear to be um, something set up to to really um, to to promote that, and I, which I found I found um, was odd. You said that you had the victory in the nineties with supermarkets um, withdrawing. Um, when you talk to them then, um, what was the cons? I mean, it sounds like they it was twelve months of campaigning, and they withdrew it from their shelves. Was the campaign mm. the negative publicity that you were bringing to their brand? Um, I, it was partly that. I mean, I, I would like to think that, that um, they were convinced by arguments about cruelty and sustainability and human health issues. But supermarkets, I think one of the, the one of the major problems that we we've always had with this is, and it's not just it's not just kangaroos, it's any kind of issue where you have a government backing. So the Australian government backs commercialising, uh, the, you know, backs the kangaroo industry essentially. Uh, and so supermarkets, including and not just supermarkets, but the football boot manufacturers, Adidas, Nike, they all turned around and said, well, the Australian government says it's okay. So, so, so they have their kind of get-out clause. If, if kangaroos were made extinct tomorrow, they could throw their hands up and say, well, we listen to the government, and they, they've obviously lied to us. So they, there's always been a the difficulty there that um, they have this assurance from that, that they're not doing anything wrong. So I think uh, the strength actually comes um, bypassing governments, and um, uh, you know, it's the kind of the strength in, in numbers of activists. Uh, um, being able to talk to consumers. So, yes, I think it's kind of a I'd like to say that it was an ethical decision on the part of the supermarkets every time they drop kangaroo meat. But I think they've got one eye on their profit margin. Uh, you know, and that is always that is always the way. But certainly the what could be termed the Achilles heel of the kangaroo industry and always has been is the killing of the joeys that um, uh, you, when we when we were campaigning um, against Iceland, which is a supermarket in the UK in the UK. And, you know, we were essentially saying that, you know, if you buy you buy a kangaroo steak or a burger, you're getting two dead joeys for free. Um, it's something they don't like. They don't like the idea of killing babies. And of course, what we do know is that, um, you know, a lot of meat and dairy and, you know, egg industries. I mean, the egg industry in the UK, they kill 40 million 
chicks um, uh, every year because they're wrong sex to lay eggs. 100,000 bull calves are killed by the dairy industry every year um, at birth because, again, they're, they're, they're wrong um, uh, sex to produce milk and they're too they're deemed too skinny for beef. So we know that this is something go this is something goes on in other areas of the uh, of uh, animal agriculture. But um, the, the, it's, it's something that they, the supermarkets, especially for what is essentially uh, a kind of novelty in inverted commas in the UK, people, kangaroo meat has never really caught on here in a major, major way. Um, they're constantly pushing it. Um, they're also trying to claim that it's like somehow a green meat, um, uh, despite the fact that it's been flown halfway across the world to the UK. So. So, I, you know, uh, the supermarkets, I think it's a mixture. I think when I've spoken to certain supermarkets, such as, you know, when, I, when we spoke to Tesco's, um, they seem genuinely concerned about what we were saying about the, the issues. Um, so I think it's a, it's a mixture of um, genu genuine concern and also um, uh, making a business decision about how much profit they would make off kangaroo burgers um, as opposed to um, how much uh, customer they may lose from uh, customers who were <laughs> rightly disappointed and horrified by the, the industry. by This Mortal Coil. And you are tuned to Freedom of Species, 3CR's weekly animal advocacy program. And today we're hearing an interview conducted by Roy Taylor with Justin Kurzweil, Campaigns Manager and Deputy Director of Viva, a vegan advocacy organisation based in the UK with a long history of campaigning against the sale of kangaroo meat in the UK. If this interview is raising a few questions for you about the plight of kangaroos in Australia, something that um, has such biased coverage uh, by the mainstream media, if you do want to hear about the other side, uh, we have a number of shows where we've interviewed Australian kangaroo advocacy groups, including Australian Society for Kangaroos, Voiceless and the ecologist Ray Mietvich. Ray has developed a website which is incredibly informative and uh, shocking in its, uh, I guess, countering what is in the mainstream media with facts and science. Uh, the website is www.kangaroosatrisk.net, www.kangaroosatrisk.net. You can find all of these uh, shows on the Freedom of Species website. We'll now return to Roy's interview with Justin Kurswell. So after the 90s, you said they uh, 
it was dropped from the supermarket shelves. Yeah. Um, was essentially, was cam- kangaroo meat basically unavailable in the UK or were there specialist importers? Um, there were specialist importers um, and there, there have been for so-called, in inverted commas, exotic meat. Um, uh, that, that there's not um, unless an animal is protected under CITES convention or, or um, uh, some other reason, um, uh, then there's there's nothing illegal about importing uh, um, that meat into the United Kingdom. I mean, but I mean, the, the, you know, get into the vagaries and the um, uh, the issues with uh, the World Trade um, laws and uh, you know protection, stopping protectionism, all these types of things. But yeah, ultimately it was um, uh, it was kind of businesses that made their money by promoting uh, so-called exotic meats, and so you would see those kind of popping up in pubs. And again, it would be it would be something that would be promoted as part of you know the irony of Australia Day is kind of putting you know killing your icon and putting them on a barbie is, is not lost on us but it's certainly something that's been was being promoted um but the difference with that is it re- remained a relatively low key but of course when you have someone like sainsbury's introducing kangaroo meat to 500 stores across the uk then that is a large push you know you're talking a, a, a large volume of meat um so uh so um um so it's so that's why uh, you know it, it's never gone away but certainly I think when it becomes uh, once it hits the supermarket shelves, then there's the danger that you create you're creating this kind of demand in the UK and you're creating a volume of demand. And that in itself is going to have a knock on effect in, in Australia and on on kangaroos um, uh, and in, increasing all the problems associated with any any commercial kangaroo harvesting that is driven by an international trade. In hmm. In terms of historically, after your victory with the UK supermarkets in the 90s, the next thing you went on to talk about was the football boots. Um, mm. And you mentioned David Beckham. Were there other major footballers promoting these boots or was it? I, I, I think we, we, we've not joked about it exactly, but it's actually if you could pick a demographic, the worst type of demographic for an animal welfare or animal rights kind of campaign, then football playing men could be it, you know, in so much they're not necessarily known for um, uh, their kind of... Um, their, their love of kind of veganism or kind of, um, you know, animal rights kind of issues. Having said that, when we were actually handing out leaflets outside stadiums, the, the response from men specifically was the same as anyone else, really, that they were they were kind of horrified by this idea that the, you know, what happens to kangaroos. Um, so um, but the football boots, um, football, the players were. Uh, it wasn't really until I looked into it, I realised in, 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 in essence what you have is almost like a, you know, a kind of a winter spring type collection going on in football boots. They come out every year. You have a new, you know, fashion in inverted commas of, of football boots coming out every year. So you had um, football players who were paid presumably handsomely by these these um, uh, these um, manufacturers to to wear their boots. Uh, and of course, the knock-on effect of that is that if you have someone like Ronaldo or David Beckham wearing a football boot, then other people want to emulate them um, uh, just in the same way as any kind of fashion works. So that in itself was uh, we saw was very dangerous that you kind of popularise the, the can- kangaroo leather through that those kind of ways. And again, by creating demand, by create popularising. Um, uh, you uh, you are creating a market, and that market is is based on a capitalist growth model. So so again, that that would um, cause it would cause problems down down the line. Um, and um, David Beckham, we had a, a long running campaign to contact David Beckham 
Um, uh, and again, that we, we had a huge, huge amount of publicity in the national media in the UK, uh, in um, many, many, many pages in the national, you know, and the tabloids and the broadsheets in the UK around this this issue. Because the irony actually is the glamour, uh, for one about term, the kind of celebrity that kind of helped promote the, the football books also actually helped us as activists shine a light on the problems inherent in the industry. So once you had a David Beckham involved in a national media story um, and then you had cruelty from Australia, then they, they kind of the the um, um, the column inches kind of wrote themselves. So so but David Beckham, he, you know, when we were able to we never spoke to him directly, but certainly we, we sent many, many emails and letters and, um, you know, saying to him that our concerns were absolutely genuine. And um, the upshot of that was um, that uh, he, he contacted Adidas and um, they made him a, um, uh, a synthetic version of the Predator, famous Predator boot that he was promoting and wore. Uh, so he stopped wearing kangaroo leather. And that was, that really was the beginning of the end for kangaroo leather being used in a major way by um, the, by football boot manufacturers. Uh, so, um, uh, so although having said that, we still, I mean, the, the, you know, we, we, we were part of their fight in California because California, of course, banned, uh, kangaroo leather and kangaroo products, um, many years ago. Uh, and the, but the Australian government, um, and the kangaroo industries heavily petitioned, uh, California to, um, to reintroduce that. And that's been backed by some of the companies that kind of profit off that, including people like Adidas and stuff in the, in the past. Um, but we, we genuinely have, um, you know, we, we, we are, you know, we are a little bit cynical about these big, big companies, but we do have, you know, we, we, you know, we know that many of them are moving towards using sort of synthetics. Uh, and in fact, Nike, um, uh, produce a synthetic kangaroo skin. Uh, so, you know, so we have seen, um, uh, positive movement in, uh, from the, you know, from the kangaroo, uh, sorry, from the, um, um from the football boot manufacturers. Do you know where the idea to use kangaroo leather for the football boots came from? Is the Australian government pushing this into into manufacturers and suppliers, or is it coming from the supplier initially? Um, I mean, it's a good it's a good question whether or not the um, the Australian you know who came up with the idea in the first place. Because certainly, say for a kangaroo meat, is that yeah, um, you know, up until recent times, Australians wouldn't touch kangaroo meat with a barge pole. It was it was it was used for um, if it was used at all. It was used for for dog meat, you know, for um, companion animals. It wasn't wasn't used for very little of it used for um, human consumption. There's been a major push to try and get Australians eating kangaroo meat. And there's still kind of you know, most Australians still don't like the idea of eating Skippy or, you know, National Icon. And also many of them, you know, have genuine concerns and understand the concerns around sustainability and the cruelty inherent in the industry. Um, but with the football boot manufacturers, it's kind of where that came from in the, in the first place is, is a bit of a mystery. But certainly there would have been a major push um, to commercialise the, the industry um, in, in Australia. So um, so it would have been looking for new markets. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know exactly why, you know, where that came from initially, but apart from obviously a, a push to commercialise the kangaroo industry to to kind of make money, um, unfortunately, I mean, which is at the root of all, all business. For progressive people around the world, it's been a hard start to the year. 
Trump is rolling out his racist agenda, inspiring increased racial, religious and gender-based hatred across the globe. It really is time to rally together to fight for a better world. There is power in numbers and there is power in independent, community-run media. Join the swelling number of people fighting back by becoming a member of your radical activist radio station. Show us your love and subscribe to 3CR. Call us on 9419 8377 or pay online 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. So now I'd like to move up to more present times, and that's the yeah. UK situation, which you went through briefly, but I'd just like you to explain where we're at with different supermarkets, um, mm. the major chains, which victories you've had, and, and where your current efforts and resources are going into with regards to this. Well, I think probably the um, uh, the most recently was was Sainsbury's, um, the, uh, the Sainsbury's int- introducing kangaroo uh, burgers to 500 stores across the UK, uh, and um, uh, you know we we have had a victory um, with that that they've confirmed that they're no longer the promotion is no longer ongoing, um, and um, I, I, although they haven't sort of you know they haven't really entered into major discussions with us, I think that from an activist point of view. Um, the uh, you know everything that Viva does you know we are a charity we're we're peaceful um, but we also understand the power of getting people outside supermarkets handing out leaflets to their customers uh, we don't we don't ever really encourage a boycott of these supermarkets because ultimately they all sell meat they all sell dairy they all sell eggs um, but what we can do is that um, you know educating their customers is a is a two way thing of course is the other the other thing is like with any of the, any of the campaigns that we do. It's a two-way thing because we're educating people about kangaroos, um, but we're also encouraging them to make more ethical choices, i.e. vegan choices, elsewhere in their lives. So trying to get people opening their eyes to what's happening to animals and then beyond that, opening their eyes to other animal issues. Um, but um, um, but the supermarkets know that if we have, you know, quite typically we could have 200 peaceful demonstrations on a, a day of action outside supermarkets across the country. Um, with the local media and maybe national media that that would attract these aren't the kind of things that supermarkets want so so Sainsbury certainly we said that um, we, we were very clear with them that if they continued selling kangaroo meat we would certainly be looking at um, launching that kind of action um, outside the um, outside their supermarkets uh, so so they they have stopped we're, we're hopeful that 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 is it with them that they're not, not going to uh, uh, continue certainly looking at uh, since um, 2015 when Morrison's and Tesco's uh, both dropped kangaroo meat and neither of them have reintroduced it. Um, but it is a constant battle because we have buying departments changing all the time. Um, they, we have the kangaroo industry constantly, um, pr- presumably offering them very good deals to to introduce kangaroo meat on a promotional basis. So it's something that we kind of constantly keeping an eye on. But we are committed to um, to helping Australian uh, groups by um, opposing the, um, the, the kangaroo industry in the UK. Obviously, what we can't do is that we can't lead a campaign in Australia. It's, it really is a campaign for Australians themselves to to take on and win. Um, and I think we, you know, we have seen, you know, we've worked some fantastic activists in Australia. 
um, and uh, local groups, Australian Wildlife Council, Kanga Watch, um, um, you know, um, and individual campaigners who are dedicated to protecting Australian wildlife. But we recognise that it's a it's a it's a battle of the hearts and the minds of Australians themselves to um, to kind of cherish their wildlife, um, you know, not blast it on the way to extinction. You mentioned earlier, I think you mentioned Lidl, which isn't a mm. British company, is it? No, no, Lidl, Lidl um, uh, and Iceland are two supermarkets that on occasion still sell kangaroo meat. Now, this is where you come down to the, the dark heart of business is that ultimately they've um, they're not they I, I would I would term both of them as, as um, budget supermarkets. Uh, and they've been given all of the information around the cruelty, the sustainability, the human health impacts. But they quote back, back to us the Australian government's um, uh, kind of um, assurances. And so they've made a business decision to ignore what we believe are very persuasive arguments not to sell kangaroo meat. Uh, um, because um, unfortunately, many big businesses have, you know, they talk about corporate responsibility and ethical trading, but ultimately at the heart of um, big business is, well, at the heart is a black heart, um, a big business, and it's all about money and it's all about profit. So um, we, we continue campaigning against them. We, we've held, we held funerals for um, Australian wildlife outside little um, supermarkets um, in the last couple of years. Uh, and it's something that we will, you know, continue pushing. Um, and every time we get any new information from Australia, we do contact them. Um, uh, so, so it's it's an ongoing ongoing issue. It's an ongoing issue. We we campaigned um, a number of years ago now with the Australian Wildlife Council to see if we could get a ban ban on kangaroo meat being imported into the EU. Um, and um, so we actually visited Brussels with the Australian Wildlife Council. We spoke to politicians um, uh, uh, there um, but again the the world trade rules are very powerful and the bodies the the lobby the lobbyists for these these organizations are very very powerful so again we do we do come back down to the consumers and trying to educate consumers and we always believe that um, uh, consumers need to make a, an educated decision about what they buy and they can only do that obviously with the information and certainly supermarkets aren't going to give um, people that information, you know, they don't, you know, we used to joke on um, that when we met with supermarkets, they always talked about transparency, that would they be happy for us to put webcams um, on um, into their factory farms and slaughterhouses and put TV screens down the supermarket meat aisle to show exactly their consumers exactly where their food came from. Of course, they don't want that kind of transparency. That's not the kind of transparency. And there is a collusion between consumers and supermarkets and retailers. Um, that um, some consumers don't really want to know what goes on because they do then have to start questioning themselves and then they may, you know, they, they may change. And what we're seeing in the UK is a massive change. We're seeing a huge shift towards a vegan diet um, and people cutting down on meat, cutting out meat and going vegan. Um, so, again, we're playing a part in that by just saying that this is the reality of where this food comes from. This is the reality of how this is produced. If you don't like it, don't buy it. It's simple as that. And ultimately, we are a consumer pressure group. We believe that the power lies in the hands of consumers, that consumers hold the key, not government, not supermarkets, not the, you know, not the, not the animal health departments of government. It's the consumers. If people don't like it, then the, the best way to change things is to change yourself and just not be part of that kind of cycle of abuse and, and the horror. Um, 
So again, by educating uh, what happens to kangaroos in the outback, um, how they're, they're shot um, away from scrutiny. Um, uh, you know, we've spoken to, uh, you know, we've spoken to people in Australia who, who have commercial shoots near their properties and they, you know, they go, they go out in the morning and find joeys chucked on the ground. There's one woman I spoke to, there was a, there was a, a joey, a hairless um, young who was hanging from a tree, um, who had just been, hadn't been killed, um, according to the guidelines, had just been left to die covered in ants. So, so this is all happening in the middle of nowhere. There's no one watching this. Um, um, you know, the, these animals being shot, they're being shot at night. So it's really out, out of view. Um, and so with impressing on people, this is what happens and people are horrified. Um, it also opens, helps us open up conversations, wider conversations on, on other animals as well. When we talk about kangaroos, that when we get people involved in this, we can get back to them with information about um, how they can help an other animals by, by, um, by um, going vegan or at least moving that direction. So, so there's lots of positives there. And it's something that obviously we're committed to continuing working with Australian wildlife groups. Um, um, uh, but because unfortunately, I don't see that the government is going to ban uh, kangaroo meat in the UK. But certainly if we can educate um, consumers in Britain enough um, uh, to um, to avoid the meat um, for all the issues we've discussed, then then we can starve the demand here. And that obviously will help um, alleviate pressure on Australian kangaroos. Would it be worth Australian activists would it be worth Australian activists writing to British supermarkets? Um, absolutely. Uh, we, we've worked. We, we put a call out to Australian um, activists when we were campaigning uh, to Sainsbury's and we said, you know, we want please do write to Sainsbury's to show that um, this is not just something that the UK, we're a UK group. We, we, we impressed on Sainsbury's, sent them all the information we have from Australia all the kind of the information that was backed to studies looking into into cruelty into sustainability all of the issues but we sort of said that also we need people from australia to to write to the supermarkets in the uk to tell them um the the the, the problems firsthand um so they realize that there is actually there isn't just a blanket acceptance or a blank blanket approval of the kangaroo industry in australia um there are many many people in australia who do not agree with commercial and wildlife do not agree with the kangaroo industry. So um, absolutely, it's absolutely vital that um, we have support from Australia um, uh, to, um, and I think that's very possibly some, something that helps swing uh, the victory um, with, with Sainsbury's was people from Australia writing to Sainsbury's to express their disapproval. I would imagine that would carry more weight than, well, I could see the both positives and negatives. If a mm. British person's writing, they're a potential consumer, so that's going to carry commercial weight however yes. um it gives an australian perspective if australian has uh, right to the uh, uk supermarkets what would be if if there was a company that would be worth contacting who would you recommend activists contact well definitely i mean we have our website which is uh save the kangaroo one word dot com um and on there are um uh, activist links um suggested emails to both little and iceland who remain the two biggest um, retailers in the UK that um, continue to periodically sell kangaroo meat. So I would um, encourage anyone in Australia who's listening to this or anyone who's listening to this to, to log on to our website and contact the, both those companies uh, with personal stories. Um, also, um, uh, you know, if you have personal stories about uh, what you've seen in Australia and um, uh, but even if you don't have and telling them that as, a, as an Australian, 
um, that you care passionately about your wildlife and you um, um, you want them to stop exploiting Australian wildlife. I mean, one of the things that I've I quite often have been asked in the past is, is, you know, um, why, you know, us, you know, kind of us ponds, uh, winching ponds on the other side of the planet, you know, w- you know, why, why are we being involved in something that's happening in Australia? I mean, my answer to that is, to be honest, I, I very much welcome Australians to come over and help us with the magic hole uh, to try and uh, challenge that. But also, I don't have to be on top of, it don't have to be on top of the, um, uh, you know, the ice shelves to worry about the melting. You know, the, these are kind of, these are international issues. Um, and it has been called Australia's secret shame. Um, and, um, and, you know, I think it, it, it reflects badly on Australia that um, uh, I think it does put we have had people, many people actually say to us, it puts them off going to Australia. This idea that there, there seems to be this kind of I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I've spoken to people uh, that this kind of hatred almost for, for wild animals, this idea that they're pests, they're in their, in their language, they're vermin. Uh, there's something to be destroyed or an inconvenience. Um, we see that in the UK. We see that with foxes. We see that with badgers. But again, that's all all kind of driven by misinformation and um, this kind of bizarre kind of idea that um, uh, wild animals are some kind of an inconvenience that need to be destroyed. They need to be managed. They need to be taken out um, when, in fact, you can trace back in the UK, certainly with something like the badger cull, where it's driven by the dairy industries um, uh, complete um, disarray and sort of um, mismanagement and abuse of animals is driven bovine TB in the UK and also in in, um, in Australia with um, its human um, uh, hu- you know, it's basically human activity that um, has caused build-ups of kangaroos in certain areas um, and um, you know uh, caused caused issues so so it all you know all these issues come back to our mismanagement and our basic human activity so. So really kind of the message is kind of learning to live with wild animals and to, to cherish them. And um, I think I mentioned before, I think I, the, I think there's been studies looking into sort of like an ecotourism and if Australia actually promoted their, their kangaroos and their wildlife as an international draw for people to come to Australia to see them in the wild. And we're not talking about zoos here, but actually in the wild, um, it would be worth something like $200 million, which is, I can't remember, something um, four or five times more than the kangaroo industry is worth currently. So it'd actually be a benefit to Australia. Um, but it does reflect badly on Australia. I mean, I've, I've, um, I've uh, you know, on our Facebook group, we've, I've seen uh, people saying, uh, a woman said, I, after reading some of the comments from pro kangaroo shooters, and we've had, we've, we've had kind of, um, um, had a lot of people contacting, you know, having discussions over Facebook and quite often some of them are very aggressive is just saying, I really don't want to go to Australia now after hearing what's, what these people are saying, you know, this kind of hatred. It seems like utter hatred to these animals. Um, so so it's not in Australia's interest to to treat its wildlife in that way. It's not in the UK's interest to treat our wildlife in the way we treat it. Um, but we shouldn't be limited by borders. We should be concerned. We, you know, we're one planet and we should be concerned about what happens to animals, you know, across the world. Um, and so I believe that our voices, our voices in the UK and our activism to sort of try and protect Australian wildlife is absolutely validated and absolutely needed. For listeners that would like to know more, uh, you've already mentioned that specific website about yeah. the uh, kangaroo campaign. Uh, if you can just mention that once again, and also mm. let people know the general uh, Viva website if people want to learn more and sign up and help your organisation. 
Yeah, well, Viva, say so Viva's a, a UK um, organization, but we promote veganism, which of course is an international, is a global, you know, cause and it's something that anyone can join in. And we, um, on our website, we have information about, um, undercover investigations we we we, um, we look at all sorts of different species but under one banner umbrella of promoting veganism as the best way to help all animals um, so our website for people to come and check that they can take out the 30-day vegan which is our our, um, our kind of free program for people to try veganism for 30 days um, they can go to website which is viva um, which is viva.org.uk and our specific kangaroo uh, website is save the kangaroo.com um, and with lots of uh, information on the issues I've spoken about uh, today uh, in this interview, but also ideas on on activism. And we're very much, um, we're, you know, we're about positive activism. We're about, um, you know, we believe that veganism is about giving up the bad things in life, not about giving up the good things. It's a positive thing. Um, and going vegan is the best single thing any individual can do to, to help the world around them by saving animals, improving their health helping protect the future, uh, the planet and the future for future generations. So, so um, you know, if you're in the UK or if in Australia, then please do, do check us out. Thanks, Justin, and best wishes for your upcoming campaigns. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Roy. Uh, lovely to speak to you. Thanks for tuning in to Freedom the Species today. We've just been listening to Roy Taylor's interview with Justin Kurzweil, Campaigns Manager and Deputy Director of Viva, if you'd like to know more about Viva generally or follow up on their campaign to ban the sale of kangaroo meat in the UK, and I think Roy gave us all a bit of homework to do on this front during the interview, you can visit their general website, which is www.viva.org.uk. Also, closer to home here in Australia, we do have some really important um uh, websites that are giving uh, alternative perspective on the the general view of kangaroos. One that tops the list is the Think Tank for Kangaroos, which can be found at thinkkangaroos.uts.edu.au. A little bit of a mouthful, so um, probably easier just to Google think with the double K and kangaroos and that will get you there. And also, again, I'll mention Ray Mietvetch's website. The website is www.kangaroosatrisk.net. And finally, um, possibly one of the most hardworking organisations that I know for animals in Australia, and that's the Australian Society for Kangaroos. Along with a lot of advocacy, they do fight on the ground to stop um, government sanctioned local kills, otherwise known as culls, um, by the government to make it a little bit more palatable for the public. Often when you look a little bit further into what's driving these so-called culls, these kills, it's quite disheartening because often it's just um, habit, habit by a government department, something that they've done for years or possibly it's just a policy that they have in place and is not backed by science. So when we do hear about these kills, um, that it can be decimating for um, local populations, particularly grey kangaroos who have quite a small home range, um, there should be many more questions asked. 
And um, they're the questions that the Australian Society for the Kangaroos do ask of the um, government departments, as well as on the ground stopping these kills. Um, They have protected a lot of kangaroo populations in the past and they will continue to do that in the future. So please support them. Financially is great. And on the ground, if they do get to that point at any um, future um, proposed um, culls or kills. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, I think having those outside eyes looking in on Australia is really important. And um, we thank everyone in the UK who has got behind um, the campaign to stop the sale of kangaroo meat in the UK. Um, much appreciated. Please tune in again next week. Um, as um, Sally from Out of the Pan would say, we will be talking all things animals. Um, and I'll leave you now with a tune from Gurumul. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.